calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover. And you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. <sighs> We did it. I still can't believe we got this project done so fast and so well. When I'm in New York. I'm in Chicago. And I'm in L.A. But we're making it happen in Miro. Together. Our best work just happens faster on Miro's collaborative online whiteboard. No more scheduling meeting after meeting for work that could happen from anywhere. Whether it's getting design feedback here. Mapping timelines here or brainstorming next steps here. It all just happens on the Miro board. Exactly. And it's nice not having to wait an entire day to get sign-off from this guy. Hey! Well, it is true. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com. The first three boards are free forever. That's M-I-R-O.com. everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the geek buddies we're back at it this week to talk about another week of geeky goodness here for you on the geek buddies and on the outlaw nation let's introduce ourselves and go around the horn real quick i'm the outlaw john roker writer producer and host here on the geek buddies in the outlaw nation mike I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies, such as Strawberry Shortcake, which you can currently see on YouTube and on Netflix. And I will not be on Geek Buddies next week because I will be half naked in the desert running around like a wild animal because I am going to Burning Man. Well, it's nice of him to tell us on the show live. That's appreciate that. Thanks, Mike. You Shannon. knew that already. <laughs> uh, this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you will be able to see me next week because I will not be in the desert half naked running around like a wild animal. I'll be right here with John Roca talking about all the latest and greatest in geeky news. <laughs> there you go. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, there you go. And of course, a much love to Carbon Health, who continues to sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies. We love Carbon Health. Go to carbonhealth.com to get any questions, concerns uh, about your healthcare addressed. They love creating healthcare plans specifically for you. And look, we're getting the numbers. You know, the numbers are going up. People are getting tested. People are getting COVID. Just got a good friend get COVID for the first time in two and a half years. So it's still out there for people to get. So you want to get tested, you want to get squared away. Go to Carbon Health and uh, get taken care of with that. And, of course, all your other health care needs as well. 100-plus locations all over the country, 80 locations in California alone. Or if you want to use their app, download their app for Carbon Health, Jacob, so you can have a doc in your pocket. All right, let's get into our show here. The way it works is each of us brings up a geek news item, and then we talk about a main topic here. And our main topic is going to be our spoiler review for Episode 1 of the House of the Dragon, the new Game of Thrones series on HBO Max. We're going to take breaks in between uh, the topics as well to kind of adhere to our new podcast feed there on iHeartRadio. If you haven't subscribed to us, iHeartRadio. <laughs> That's what I said. iHeartRadio. Kaboom. Kaboom. Uh, but uh, Mike, start us off. What do we got? Well, here's what we got. <laughs> Why is HBO Max a dumpster fire? That is what we have got. We. <laughs> Listen, we were on, what was this? Like, it was like two or three weeks ago, it feels yeah. like. I don't know what it was, yeah. where we were wrapping up our show, and we got the news about Batgirl just being completely wiped off the face of the earth. And we were shocked, and we were appalled, and we were confused, and we were wondering why this was. And it seemed like maybe it was an isolated incident, but it was certainly not an isolated incident. It was just the tip of the shit show iceberg, because HBO <laughs> Max has been just going nonstop, and David Zaslav is trying to cut corners everywhere he can, and the result is everything that we were excited about with HBO Max is going away. In fact, this Yahoo headline uh, today, uh, or from this week, um, HBO Max is treating animation fans and creators like hot, burning garbage, uh, (laughs) is the headline of the article. Um, And it actually starts off, I think this is actually important to kind of say it's like it is telling that when trying to analyze the current pr and talent disasters surrounding hbo max you have to start by getting specific about which disaster you actually mean are you talking about batgirl are you talking about the numerous layoffs are you talking about them taking episodes of sesame street off of hbo max when they said when they got sesame street that they were going to treat it as sacrosanct or are you talking about the fact that they seem to be canceling pretty much every animated show that they've got in development and half the time not even telling the creators who are finding out in articles like Yahoo or on Twitter. So it is just a epic disaster. I mean, the latest victim of this is the animated Batman series that was going to come to us from Bruce Timm and J.J. Abrams, which was sort of a spiritual sequel to Batman the Animated Series, a.k.a. one of the greatest animated series ever made. And, you know, somebody on Twitter said this, If you can't get a Batman animated series on the streamer where Batman is supposed to be one of the biggest things that they've got, we're in trouble. So, look, there's no new information. I mean, we know why it's happening. We know Zaslav is tasked with cutting like $300 billion before this entire Discovery Warner's merger happens. But... The way that he's doing it certainly seems to be uh, penny wise and pound foolish because when you have all of these amazing brands, when you have all these great animated series, that Scooby-Doo movie that was already pretty much completed, obviously Batgirl, Batman, all these other things, uh, this really doesn't seem like you're looking at the long haul. 
uh, whatever his plans are, whatever his future is for HBO Max in whatever form it's going to take, it certainly doesn't seem like it's what HBO Max promised when it launched. So, gentlemen, it is a dumpster fire. What do you think about it? Shannon, remember when it was a big happy family? Remember when it was a big happy family? <laughs> and uh, we, we should start putting X's on all on a lot of those things <laughs> that are on there. So uh, what do you think about what Michael's talking about and about the HBO Max being a bit of a dumpster fire or hot, gar- hot garbage, as Yahoo said? I mean, you know, they they say that Zaslav has a has a has a this is the long game that he's playing yeah. a big plan. And at the beginning, um, we're getting a lot of disappointing news. I mean, what's funny is, you know, the announcement that this show is not going to HBO Max, that it might still end up someplace and that apparently uh, uh, folks are saying they are confident that it will end up someplace. It just definitely won't be on HBO Max. Yeah, um, because right after this, you know, word came out that Matt Reeves had signed, you know, uh, uh, an overall deal with Warner Brothers. Right. Basically saying they're all in on him unless it's this Batman animated series. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, it's just dis- right. it's disappointing. Because I think everyone was excited to see what a spiritual successor, uh, successor to the Bat- Batman the Animated Series looked like. I mean, you have you have you know a, a lot of talent that is involved with Bruce Tim, with Matt Reeves, with J.J. Abrams. But I mean, is this a is this similar to Batgirl, where people are saying like, "Hey, it was coming out, it didn't look that good, so we just decided to cut bait," yeah. or is it just they're trying to save money? And if it's Neither situation is great. Um, if it's just the second one, it's a real shame because it seems like at this point you are alienating, you are alienating the uh, audience that is going to uh, support your product and uplift your product. And at this point, um, you know, at least on Twitter, um, which is always a reliable source of information, <laughs> um, uh, people are right and left saying, "All right, I'm I'm out on HBO Max. I'm out on HBO Max." I mean, you still have some really, really great programming on there, but I mean, it's disappearing. Uh, it seems uh, every hour. So yeah, it's disappointing. But uh, fingers crossed, it will end up someplace. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to cut three billion dollars worth of costs at this point. The company slashed fourteen percent last week of its. HBO Max workforce, as Michael mentioned, the layoffs that's connected to that. They said those were inevitable, but that's what they're looking at here. And according to the uh, on the company's earning call, Zaslav said they'll be cutting back even more of the HBO Max original content a few weeks ago. Uh, and they reported the media giant in HBO Max Discovery reported that they had a $3.42 billion loss in the second quarter. And that is partly due to some of the obstacles in the recently in the recent merger, but only partly due to that. Uh, and now they expect their adjusted EBITDA, I think that's how you say that, to come in between $9 billion and $9.5, which is a decline from the $10 billion they had anticipated originally. Uh, and they're hoping to, and it could be, uh, they're cutting it to maybe $12 billion to $14 billion for 2023. So we shall see when you're looking at it. But Warner Brothers Discovery stock is also down right now about 50% from last year so that speaks volumes as well and i was reading an article kind of breaking down how these canceling of the projects are really damaging the hbo max brand damaging the confidence viewers have with this and in the end it could be the worst strategy ever because great you've got your vision going david zaslov the problem is half the people who you were hoping would be there to see it don't want to see it 
because you've kind of burnt the bridges here with viewers, burnt them with projects that with, with creators they care about, like Bruce Tim, like J.J. Abrams. You've kind of smoked them. And by doing that, in the end, you've ruined confidence in your product and confidence with the fans. And I think that's where the danger is going to lie. Yeah. And to me, because I'm a sports guy, this is very correlative to what new owners sometimes come in and do to teams they they just sell their big big people because they want to recoup that money and start all over again the problem is it rarely works out the rebuilding project it rarely works out and five years down the road that gm and that owner have sold the team or been fired so there's a real possibility here that zaslav does all these radical changes and in four or five years time when these films don't do well or they're not well received we're looking at a whole new person coming in and starting all over again. Yeah. And I don't think he's done, Mike, uh, go, going back to you to get the last word on this. I don't think he's done because, as I tweeted you guys off camera, I think Michael Keaton is on board next to be reduced, if not completely taken out of the Flash movie. There's a real possibility. He's out. There's no Batgirl. He's been, his scenes have been reshot in Aquaman, too, and it could be for consistency's sake or chronological sake. It seems a little weird. And then, boom. Here, we'll see what happens with him saying you wanted to make The Flash an even better movie. It could be the moving out of Michael Keaton. He wants to go and restore possibly the Snyderverse without Snyder. There are rumors over the weekend that James Gunn has been in these quiet talks with Zaslav to come in and take over and do a Justice League sequel with the Snyderverse Justice League. That could be insane, Mike. So we might not be done. With the flaming hot garbage of HBO Max. Listen, by a long shot. right now, in my mind, Zaslav is just standing on top of a bunch of movie reels in a bathrobe, smoking <laughs> a cigarette with a giant thing of gasoline in his hand. That's like, that's what I'm picturing in my head. But look, to your point about sports, because I don't know anything about sports, but <laughs> I do know a lot about Disney. Uh, and as anybody who listens to the show knows, I'm a huge Disney nerd. And really, if you just compare a couple things here, um, Bob Iger in his day, spent, I don't remember how much money exactly, maybe you guys remember, how much he spent buying Star Wars and how much he spent buying Marvel. Do you remember the numbers? Uh, Four billion I, for Star Wars for sure. I don't remember Star Wars. It was... Star Wars it was, was more. Uh, Marvel, yeah. I don't remember Marvel, sorry. It was a lot of quarters. There was a lot of quarters that he spent on those two things. But he spent a massive amount of money and everybody was like, oh shit, is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? But now you look at the money that Disney is raking in um, between the Star Wars franchise and the and the and the uh, Marvel franchise, and you go well. Obviously, that was brilliant. But at the time, you had to spend a lot of money to make money. Similarly, yeah. when Disney and 20th Century uh, Fox, uh, 20th Century now, 20th Century Studios uh, merged. You know, obviously there were layoffs. Obviously, a merger is never going to yeah. go great for anybody. But when you compare how that merger went to how this current merger is going. You see, like, there is a way to do these things where uh, you look at what you've got and you say, look, yeah. let's not just slash everything. Let's look at what the gold is here. Everybody, we talked about this on our Prey review. Everybody thought yeah. Disney was going to bury things like Predator. Uh, and now you look at Prey on Hulu and you see how that's doing. And you just see that, like, there is a way to look at your library, to look at your brands and say, okay, look. I know that I'm tasked with trying to cut down costs and I know that they're, you know, that that's, that's hard for anybody to have to figure out how to do. It's not anything I would envy anybody having to figure out. But when you look at the brands that they have and you look at the brand potential that things like this Batman animated series and some of these other things had, and you look at the way that they are just slashing things wantonly, it's not smart. So to John's point about coaches in sports ball, 
Uh, same thing happens in entertainment. Like you come in, you slash your star players, you get rid of everything. You you know you bring these people on the bench that don't have any experience in and say, hey, do something cheap for us. It's not going to work. Like you actually need to have those big things to make the money up in the future, and it's just not going to happen. So I think John is right. I think Zaslav's going to come in, completely like demolish everything, and in a couple years, when HBO Max is in the toilet and there's no brand confidence in any of the Warner Brothers brands, somebody else is going to come in, and they're going to be tasked with turning it all around, and it is not going to be an easy job. It's a great uh, point you make there. Brand confidence. I think that's a, the, the essential part of our discussion for sure. Uh, Star Wars, $4.05 billion is what they paid for. Marvel, $4 billion. So uh, a lot of quarters yeah. for sure. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll jump into our next topic right after this. I like the delay. I couldn't, I I couldn't remember what we. Yep, I, I couldn't know. remember what we were doing. <laughs> What's the next topic? What's the next topic? Oh! Oh! Let's jump into it because I know we got limited time here. This is, I wanted to talk about this today because this was a fantastic interview that John Boyega had with John Fugel saying, "Remember John Fugel saying it was the first co-host." with uh, Ryan Seacrest there of American Idol in the first season. Well, he's got a serious XM show called Tell Me Everything with John Fugel saying, and he was talking with John Boyega because John Boyega has a new film coming out called Breaking, which looks fantastic. Uh, and they he asked him about being a part of the Star Wars franchise and whether he's going to come back as Finn. And there are two things I want to I want to bring up for you guys to, to, to give me your opinions on. Uh, as far as Finn com- coming back as Finn in Star Wars, he said, at this point, I'm cool, of, I'm cool off of it. I'm good of, off it. I think Finn is at a good confirmation point where you can just enjoy him in other things, the games, the animation. But I feel episode seven to episode nine was good for me. Um, and then he was asked about this idea of what happened with his experience, the racist abuse he suffered. And he said, uh, the reason I don't want to go back to Star Wars right now in my life, to be fair, with the allies that I found with Joel Taylor and Jamie Foxx, Taylor Paris, Viola Davis, all these people I've been working with, versatility is my path. He's very incredibly well uh, um, laid out his uh, reasons for all the things that he's doing here. And as far as Moses Ingram, uh, Fugo saying asked him, you know, well, you went through this racist abuse. Like, is this a part of him? Is this an element? And he said, well, watching how Star Wars reacted to protect Moses Ingram, that made me feel, made me feel protected. He said, do you understand what I'm saying? It makes me feel like, okay, cool. I am not the elephant in the room because when I started, it wasn't really a conversation you can bring up. You know how they went through it. It was kind of like, let's just be silent. It wasn't a conversation you could bring up. But now, to see how blatant it is, to see you and McGregor uh, come and support for me, it fulfills my time where I didn't get the support. And he mentioned that he was like, his dad told him, sometimes you're the person who has to go through the wall first so that other people can benefit, and he's okay with it. So, uh, gentlemen, you guys, what do you think about this? Do, do you him saying right now he's off it, does that mean there's still possibilities down the road? And what do you think about how he answered these questions about the Moses Ingram situation and about where he's at in his life when it comes to Finn? I mean, he took he took a very – he had a very classy response Yeah, that as, you know, you know, relaying that story that his father told him is that sometimes, sometimes you're, you're literally uh, Moses. Like you get mm-hmm. to see the promised land, but you don't get to enter it. And so he kind of did some of that hard work. Yeah. So the, you know, the future of, you know, Star Wars cast members who happen to be people of color that they will have the support of the studio, that they right. will have the support of their co-stars. Um, and as far as him not wanting to come back to Finn, I mean, you, you look at the things that he has on the horizon right now and, you know, 
Star Wars probably isn't on his mind. He probably said bye to it at the end of episode nine because it was not the smoothest experience, you know, shooting the trilogy for him. Um, and, and now he's getting to do, he's getting to work on some very, very exciting projects. Um, but as you said, John, that's not to say that he won't come back in the future. I mean, yeah. where he is right now, he's, he's good off of it. Um, but in the future, when it, you know, if these projects uh, turn out to be as successful as I think he's, he's hoping they will be, I mean, he can come back to the Star Wars table and have a probably a little more, little more input yeah. into what could happen. So, uh, like at this point, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't expect to see Finn, Daisy Ridley, Oscar Isaac. I wouldn't expect them to see them anytime soon. Mm. In, in in the next few years, at least. I mean, I think you get around five years, ten years down the road. I think that is a situation where. You know, we could see we could see Ray Skywalker again. We could see Finn again. We could right. see Poe Dameron again. It's just not in the forefront of his mind right now. And uh, again, I mean, it was a like I I read I read the article, but then I watched the interview, yeah. and you know, it was it was a great interview. I mean, again, he had a very mature, classy response to the questions. Yeah, very much seemed unbothered at this point in his life. He's gone through it. And he's got more perspective on it, you know. And, mm -hmm. uh, Mike, what do you think about this? I mean, is there a future where we do a Finn series that doesn't have Ray or Poe Dameron written by a black uh, creator, directed by a black director, show running it all? Do you think that's a possibility to kind of explore Finn's experience, a black point of view in Star Wars, fully through Finn's eyes? Yeah, I mean, like, that would be great. I mean, that would be awesome. And I think there's absolutely that possibility. I mean, I think, I think in the long run... I mean, John Boyega's in a great spot. Yeah. John Boyega, Star Wars needs John Boyega more than John Boyega needs Star Wars. John Boyega's <laughs> doing just fine right now. Like, that movie that he has coming out looks fantastic. Yeah. He is killing it. Uh, you know, he really, I mean, he's spoken about this in the past. There, He had that moment where he thought that if he spoke out, if he really spoke his mind about his Star Wars experience, he was going to get, uh, you know, like, run out of the industry. People weren't going to hire him. And he had all those, you know, Jamie Foxx and all these guys that and, and Viola Davis that came to his, uh, his support and said, we want to work with you. And he's really doing great, great work. He's an amazing actor. And look, whether you like the new trilogy or you don't like the new trilogy the proof is in the pudding with these actors it is pretty clear that none of them had the best experience yeah. making these movies they were all so excited to be in the new star war and then uh the experience did not necessarily pan out for them and you see that uh daisy ridley is probably the most the most uh politically uh savvy about it but like oscar isaac made his opinions clear John Boyega's made his opinions clear. You've heard this from other people. Um, so I think it's smart of him. I think it's he's definitely in a place where he doesn't need it. I think it's smart of him to say right now, uh, yeah. very PR uh, uh, savvy words to say, look, right now I don't want to. Because right now doesn't mean never. Right now doesn't mean you're burning a bridge. Um, and look, I think that as a nerd, as a fan... Even though, as I've said in the past, like, the, you know, the new trilogy is kind of all over the place, not my favorite. I think these characters have so much potential. Yeah. Um, I think I'll, I will give J.J. Abrams a lot of credit in that despite the fact that things kind of went all over the place between the tennis match of him and Ryan Johnson, um, Ray, Finn, and Poe are all potentially great characters. Maybe they never fully reached that full potential in the trilogy. But listen... If down the road, five years from now, ten years from now, 
we all go see a big Star Wars movie, and the opening shot is Ray and Finn running into some situation, lightsabers blazing and Jediing all over the place. There's not a single person listening right now that wouldn't lose their goddamn mind. Like, we would love it. So, you know, I think, I hope he comes back to it, but I think it's great that he doesn't need to. And I do think, to Shannon's point, it really is one of those great moments where you go, look, somebody spoke their mind, spoke their truth, and said, I don't care if this is going to get me in trouble. It needs to be said. And because of that, Star Wars has shifted how they treat uh, their actors of color when things happen on social media that we all wish didn't happen, but they do. And to your point, John, I think it does push Star Wars in a place much like Marvel is doing with Sam Wilson, even with the new She-Hulk series in some ways, where they're taking their characters and actually having those characters speak about what it's like to be a person of color, what it's like to be a woman, like what it's like to be these different things. So I think Star Wars could use a healthy dose of that. uh, And I would love it if John Boyega was one of the people that uh, blazed that trail. Yeah, I think so. We're going to see with Breaking. We're going to see with the Woman King. You know, I think people are going to open their eyes to see what uh, John Boyega can really bring, bring to the table as an actor. And certainly I think by the end, it's going to be he's going to be in a lot more of an advantageous position to negotiate if they want to bring him back a richer role, a richer written role and a richer journey for Finn to go on if he's if he's to come back to Star Wars. And I think that's a good thing for him and for all of us to enjoy or re-enjoy this character again in a different way. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll uh, jump into our next topic right after this. Do 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 do. That was quick. I like that. Do 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 do. Because you know when he messed up on the first one, you know when he messed up on the first one, he was like, "God damn yeah. it! What's that next topic? I gotta have it ready." <laughs> he thought through it. He was ready with it that time. You know what? I'm not gonna lie. Did I think about all of this beforehand? Yes, there was just that moment where I forgot <laughs> which one was coming next. <laughs> Take us away, Shannon. What do we got? So just recently, we got the final trailer for Amazon Prime's The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. So it seems like we have been getting a lot of trailers for this. They are really, really hyping this up. They also just announced that on August 31st, they're actually going to screen the first two episodes on the big screen at your at your local Cinemark Theater. Uh, we don't have a ton of those in L.A., but if you have oh. a Cinemark Theater, it's one night only. They're going to be screening the first two episodes. So we get this new trailer. I am really, really focused on Galadriel and what it seems like is sort of a forming of a of a before fellowship fellowship. (laughs) (laughs) So it seems like they're definitely sticking with with what has worked for the property in the past. We get some dwarf characters. We get some human characters. We get some elf characters, obvious with uh, obviously with Galadriel. Um, The scope of this show looks huge. It looks great. So, gentlemen, what did you think of our potentially final look of uh, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power before it debuts? Mike? Uh, I watched the trailer with my brother, and we both pretty much had the same reaction when we got done. I said, whoa, I have no fucking idea what's going on, <laughs> but I'm in. <laughs> like, there was so – there's so many characters. They're all over the place. They're in the snow. They're in the water. There is a battle in a field. I don't know. Galadriel's killing some things. Things are going down. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm in. I'm sold. Take me to Middle Earth. Like, I I think that, um, I think focusing on Galadriel is, I was thinking about this when I watched the trailer. I think focusing on Galadriel is very smart. Great idea. Like, the love of Kate Blanchett as that character uh, kind of drives you to have a really strong tie to her 
even though it's a different actress, like seeing a younger Galadriel, like you're like, okay, I know her. I know how awesome she is later. I'm down to see this chapter of her life. Like, I think without that, there would be a little bit less in this trailer to sort of emotionally grab onto. You'd be like, yeah, it looks cool, but I don't know who these people are. But putting her at the center of it and then surrounding her with a bunch of new characters, uh, I think was very, very smart, uh, at least in, in my reaction to it. And then, you know, I really do love that this is, uh, it's 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 the Peter Jackson, not Peter Jackson universe. Like, you look at the way some of these characters are designed, you look at some goblins, you look at some orcs, you look at some things, and you go, yeah, this is... It's familiar enough, but I'm seeing so many places, so many things, and there's a visual style to it that feels different enough that I feel like I'm getting the old and the new at the same time. So I literally, like I said, I'm like, I watch that. Usually when you get to a final trailer, you know, you like a teaser trailer, you're very confused. You don't know what's going on. And then the final trailer, you're like, oh, okay, so that's the story. (laughs) Nope. Don't know. But I'm in. Yeah, I'm in as well. I mean, I've been in from the first one, and I've been enjoying this approach to it big time, and now getting even more of Galadriel in this trailer, along with some incredible visuals, sumptuous visuals. You see where the money went, for sure, in the scope of this, as Michael pointed out, all the different places we're going. The scope of it is incredible. Uh, And yeah, Morphe Clark coming in here as Galadriel. It's a different Galadriel. This is a a warrior Galadriel. This is a Galadriel on a mission. This is a completely different Galadriel than we've seen before. So I like that. We even have Elrond being like, you know what? Calm down. He's like, I'm not calming down. We got things to do. You know, I love that. And it's driven by her brother's death. What's that all about? Vengeance? Revenge? I love me a good revenge movie. Oh, and the revenge is going to be, we're going to take it out on Sauron. So I want, but we didn't see much of, we didn't see Sauron at all in this trailer. So very interesting for a final trailer to not have your villain, main villain supposedly in the final trailer. But yeah, Shannon, you're right. This feels like the fellowship in a different format. And just like the force awakens, you know, you're just kind of hitting the, hitting these notes just to keep people familiar with it. And then showing a different story, just like the House of Dragon, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes here. Same thing. So they seem to have taken a page out of The Force Awakens. Been like, if we just have some elements that are familiar but tell a different story, we might be okay. And certainly it feels that way. Plus that reluctant human hero, yet again, feeling a little Aragornish there. We're getting that vibe to it as well. So overall, to me, I'm excited here. Loved the Har- Harfoot moment, you know, that very similar to the hobbit our hearts are just bigger than everybody else all that stuff so great so everyone is satisfied when we get fucking dwarfs so i'm even i'm in even more so because we got us some dwarfs so you can have your harfoots just give them a damn dwarf so i'm 100 percent excited for this and as shannon said the screenings are selling out so you better get almost all the screenings in la and san diego and san jose are sold out there was like i think one screening in Marina that still someone has tickets. So y'all need to jump on it if you really want to see this in the theater because they're offering these tickets for free. So, yeah, go ahead, Chance. Sorry. You know, I mean, like uh, House of the Dragon, this was the type of show that based off of the marketing, I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, I mean, it, it, it looks cool. We'll see. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about House of the Dragon in a moment. But at, at the conclusion of the House of the Dragon, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm in. So I'm crossing my fingers that that will be the same situation with the Lord of the Rings. But as Vogel said, it's like, this looks awesome. Yeah. We know who Galadriel is. We know who Elrond is. Outside of that, I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> they look cool. <laughs> but but again, there's no there's no uh, um, uh, emotional connection with the exception of 
Galadriel. And because it isn't Kate Blanchett, because it is a younger actress, it's sort of like, okay, yeah, I, I have a connection to that character. I don't know you. Like you, you, you yeah. look, you look good so far. You look good so far, but you know, we'll see. And so I, I think that's kind of, uh, oh my gosh, I was, I was just thinking of a movie quote and it dropped out of my head. But basically, okay. uh, you know, I, 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 I'm, I won't be disappointed because going in, I'm kind of like, okay, we'll see what happens. You can't be disappointed if you don't get your hopes up. So, and that's that sounds like that sounds like the saddest way to live. <laughs> like, literally, like you can't be disappointed if you don't get your hopes up. Well, that. <laughs> That's a that is a that is a safe life. I don't know how excited it is. I am purely speaking about House of the Dragon and the Rings of Power. I'm not I'm not saying I'm not applying that, you know, across uh, worldwide. How you, how you do one thing is how you do all things. That's what oh, I'm saying. Jesus. Is that what Zendaya said in uh, No Way Home? I don't get my hopes Yes, up. that's that what it was. I'm like, I'm like, where did I hear that? It was from yeah. a movie. Yeah. Where <laughs> yes, did I, I have an, hear that? <laughs> I, I have an MJ approach yeah. to, uh, to, 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 to these two series. Um, but, uh, yes, An- anything else? No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, it looked like Vogel wanted to chip away at my character some more. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but I decided to cut you a break. <laughs> Well, we will find out on September 2nd on Amazon Prime or August 31st if you manage to get a ticket to one of those Cinemark screenings. Yeah, I'm going to try to shake some trees and see if I can get into something. I want to see these things on the big screen for sure. All right, well, let's take a quick break and we'll jump into our main topic and talk about episode one spoiler review for The House of the Dragon here from HBO Max. We'll be right back after this. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. I think that's the theme. Um, I, I know that's the theme. <laughs> I mean, he, he clearly practiced. He clearly practiced. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's jump into this thing. This has uh, uh, been uh, burning up the internet. Uh, it uh, opened, uh, it had ten, almost 10 million viewers, the highest rated or highest viewed opening debut show for any show on HBO Max ever in its short history, but certainly for HBO Max, pretty cool stuff. Well, well there's not a lot else to watch on it, so, you know. <laughs> and there may not be much more history. That's true. That's true. <laughs> the Heirs of the Dragon here, it dropped very much focus on the House Targaryen. We get King Viserys coming into power. We get Rhaenyra as a teenager. We get Alicent, her friend. We got Otto Hightower, the Hand of the King there, played by Reese Eifens. A.K.A. Kirk Connors and uh, from the Amazing Spider-Man, we get Damon. We get this uh, sibling rivalry here that is happening uh, between Damon, is played by Matt Smith and Viserys. We get this horrible birthing scene that a lot of people have had some issues with on uh, on social media, and certainly some of the reviews, especially a lot of the female critics I've been reading about having issues with the birthing scene. And we get at the end this I- this idea that Rhaenyra is now in line to be the first woman ever to sit on the Iron Throne. So we're very focused on the Targaryens, but we had a lot of table setting for what we're going to get over the next nine episodes. A lot of houses, a lot of names were spoken, a lot of people pledging loyalty uh, from houses that we've heard about in the Game of Thrones series and a pretty brutal jousting uh, tournament as well that was happening. So, gentlemen, what are your thoughts on on, uh, overall, uh, to start off with, on this show? Michael, please take it away. Well, you know, I mean, it just it's it's it struck me as we were talking about the Lord of the Rings trailer. I mean, this is really this is the balancing act. It's the Force Awakens. It's Lord of the Rings. It's it's House of the Dragon. It's how do you manage to give me what I want 
and give me something that feels familiar, but also give me something new. And look, for my money, I think I think they delivered. Like mm-hmm. I, uh, as we've said, you know, I mean, I think so many of us, and like you know, Twitter was just golden on Sunday oh, night God. and Monday morning with all the people and all the memes about like how. I said I would never watch a Game of Thrones again after what happened in season eight. And then there's a picture of somebody with like a blonde wig going like Dracarys, like, let's go. I'm in. <laughs> like, and that that's kind of how I felt. It's like, I, I think they, uh, it, it's, it is a blonde Targaryen who is in line to rule and there's going to be a lot of problems getting there. And there's a lot of intrigue and there's a lot of houses who are all talking to each other about a lot of things. And there's a hand of the king that like, like there, I mean, there's just, there's all the pieces that are there. And of course there's a lot of fucking dragons, but like there's all the pieces that are there that are like checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. But as opposed to Game of Thrones, which was really the Starks and the Lannisters and everything else, this felt like, uh, this felt like Game of Thrones meets Succession. You know, like, Ooh. this is very clearly what this is. It's like, it's like, well, it could be you. It could be you. It could be someone else. And then when you look at, like, what's to come, you're like, yeah, this is what I want out of a Game of Thrones show. It's all, like, the little, the political machinations and the whole who's on whose side and, like, the spying and the this and the that. And it's like, you know, in the first scene, in that opening scene where uh, they're all uh, at the, you know, they're having the the meeting with the king and right. everyone's like, oh, well, we got these people in the fields that are doing this, and this guy is taking out these people. And I'm like, this is so many names. I'm never I'm never going to – I don't know. And then by the end, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm in. Like, who's who? Who's where? So I, I was into it. The only part that really as, – as soon as uh, you get to the end and he starts mentioning the, tr- the prophecy to her about yeah. the, you know, the, the, the person who the, – what is it? The, the prince who would be king or the – what is it? I can't remember. Yeah. Song of Ice and Where Fire. Song of Ice and Fire. Any, yeah. You get into Song of Ice and Fire, and I, I started to be like, you're, you're on thin ice. Don't talk about it. <laughs> Don't talk about Song of Ice and Fire. Y'all fucked me over with that. You can't, no take backsies. Like, that was the part that, like, started, like, like the more that, the more that they talk about the parts of Game of Thrones that a lot of us feel like they whiffed the ball on, mm. I start to get nervous. But everything else I thoroughly enjoyed. It's like watching a lost people and like, just wait till the polar bear shows up. You're going to be ready for the polar bear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shannon, thoughts overall on this first episode for House of the Dragon? We did the preview last week of what we anticipate, what we expect, what we were hoping for. So how did this one come across for you? I mean, from moment one, honestly, it grabbed me with that mm. with that prologue. Just setting up. I mean, it was just such a clear world that they're setting up that you had an, a, an aging king whose sons had died he didn't have a direct heir and the they basically threw it to the people i mean they basically had an election of like who do you want to take over and despite the fact that you had the more senior child who also was a woman and then you had the younger child who was a man and the man got it and like you're you're setting they just set up such a great dynamic right off the bat um you know the, the characters that we meet like Graham mctavish as the knight that takes care of Rhaenyra. I was just like, he's one of those actors that you see him and you're on board with him. And I think that we had said last week, like the strength of this series was going to be based on the characters because we know the world, we know the world-ish. We know the world adjacent. Like, okay, it's Westeros, got it. Um, Thus far, the characters that they have introduced are all very, very intriguing. You You have a mourning king, you have an ambitious brother, you have a hand of the king, 
who seems like a good guy, but about halfway through, it's like, oh, oh, oh okay, you- maybe Damon's right about you. And that's yeah. that's the, that's a great place to be yeah. with storytelling is you don't know, you see everyone's points, but you also see everyone's flaws. Um, so, you know, super enjoyable. I mean, I love the scene between Viserys and Rhaenyra at the end where he's just yeah. kind of like, what do you see? What do you see? So you get the fact that what Damon says is that he's weak. Damon might not be wrong, yeah, but he's not stupid. He's not and, the he's not the best messenger to be telling this, but yeah, sure. But but also with Damon, like you see them at the funeral, and you yeah. see this genuine sadness where he's just kind of like, okay, uh, uh, Viserys isn't going to be able to do this. It's up to you, Renera. Like you have to you have to give the order to set the the pyre on fire. Um, I mean, like you, the, the the characters thus far are just so so intriguing. To yeah. that birth scene, the folks that have an issue with it, man, I 100% get it. Because mm. as a storyteller, that is not, I don't know what that got us. Mm. I think you can do, I think you can have the same effect and you can deliver the same message without going that, for me, gratuitously graphic. Okay. Um, again, I don't, I don't know what that got us. And like, I get the, like, well, it's like, you know, we're watching the tournament, we're watching the battlefield, and then we're watching the battlefield of the birthing bed. Sure. Right. You don't need to see ripping a woman. Like you don't, for me, you didn't need to see that. I thought mm-hmm. that was the one mistake that they made. But again, there are other folks in the audience. That was not an issue. So, right. you know, I'm not saying they were wrong or right. I'm saying for me, it didn't work. Yeah, I have to, I mean, I, I dropped my spoiler review yesterday because I finally finished it after writing it for two days. There was so much to explore and dive into and enjoy for sure. So I had to kind of pare it down. So it wasn't an hour and a half. But I certainly enjoyed the hell out of this uh, opening be, uh, opening episode because it immediately got us back into the world and the vibe of the best of Game of Thrones. And that certainly um, speaks volumes about how well uh, Miguel Sapochnik and I think Ryan J. Cundell is it? Yeah, Ryan J. Cundell and then George R.R. R. Martin being involved in this as well kind of worked to bring you back into that world. And like immediately, we know it's a patriarchal world. Right from the opening scene, they chose a dude over the, his closest era was a woman and she even gets uh, dubbed with the, that terrible the queen who never was moniker which is which is su- such a dig right but we see her she's in this relationship we get a we get a black lord here that's on the king's council that's kind of a new thing to have in game of thrones i love that an interracial marriage that's kind of cool as well plus corliss is the one's like man i don't need no drink man and also damon <laughs> is the guy you said is supposed to be the, the heir so we need to focus on Damon. And I love that they call out Otto with the idea with Otto. You gave him an army, you dumb SOB. So there's, there's a lot of. That was great. Right? There's a lot of intrigue and moving pieces and moving elements to this that are very interesting. And, uh, you know, Shannon, I hadn't thought about Damon being maybe right, even though he's not the best guy to be delivering the message. And certainly we're going to see now with the death of, of Emma, how this affects uh, Rhaenyra's relationship with Viserys. And if this becomes a worm tongue type situation where you have Damon whispering in her ear, giving her that, uh, you know, necklace of Valerian steel, very Cape Fearish Robert Daniel Juliet Lewis scene is very unsettling. So it's like, okay, what is this, his favor? Or is there something more going on here? Is this his way of being with everybody? Plus him going after Hightower's kid and then also wanting favor from Hightower's daughter. What is his move there? Is Allison going to be going with the king, but having a feelings for Damon? How is that going to play itself out? So there is so much drama here to explore that is going to be fun, I think, as we go along. Uh, Michael, swinging back to you, the acting, the direction, the um, score, 
What stands out for you when you look at this in, in entire episode? What are some of the things, highlights for you? Well, it's uh, it's funny. As you were just talking, I think what really stands out to me is the fact that this is what I love about geek culture is if you're outside of geek culture, you're like, oh, yeah, geeks just like this because there's some dragons and there's some special <laughs> effects and there's some, like, superheroes with some rocket boosters. But really, what we – geeks just are closet soap opera freaks. <laughs> like, you know, like, as you're sitting here talking, it's like, yeah, like, there's some dragons and stuff, but look, who's sleeping with who and she's with the king, but she really wants this and what is Damon up to and are these two going to get together and I don't know. And, like, that's the shit that we love. And, like, this episode gave us that in spades. So I think yeah. that's what really stood out. I think the performances were great. I think Matt Smith is kind of a standout because I think oh, that Damon, Damon is going to be one of those characters that we are all going to debate about all season long. Is he the bad guy or is he not? Like it, it, it seems to be setting up, you know, Rhaenyra versus Damon and these two are like going to vie for the throne and whatever. But I don't think that that's necessarily what's going to happen. I think, I think Damon may end up being, um, a bit more uh there's a there's a Jamie Lannisterness to this character arc. Oh, there's a you're a you're a dick, you're horrible, you clearly are violent as fuck, yeah. but to, to Shannon's point, he's not wrong about his brother. Right. Uh you know, I mean there's there's a I, I think that there's going to be a lot of debate about what his motives are, which again is in keeping with exactly what we love about Game of Thrones. Um, so, you know, I, I do want to say just to Shannon's point uh, about the, uh, the birth scene, yeah. I, I, I am not a woman and I completely understand like game of Thrones has suffered. It's shocking. I know I'm not a woman. I, I don't know if you were aware. Um, and so I completely understand people's reaction to that. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think that game of Thrones has gone down this road before, uh, in its series of like, did we need this for the story? Did we need this treatment of women in the story? So I'm not defending the moment and I completely understand why people feel it was gratuitous and it was a lot, but Game of Thrones in general is built around gratuitousness. I mean, yeah. the the jousting scene, not woman specific, was also equally as gratuitous. And I do think when it comes to storytelling, and again, I'm not arguing for this, and I do think there probably is a line that we should probably all agree that we don't cross. But I do think what it does get you is part of art is that it really makes you feel. And sometimes those feelings are great, and sometimes those feelings are uncomfortable. And watching that scene, I was intensely uncomfortable. Um, it is a hard, hard scene to watch. But I think there's an argument to be made that sometimes that's called for. Was this one of those times? I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah. know whether it was or not. And again, if you were a woman watching this and you were like, I did not need that in my life, 1000% understand that. So I'm not, I'm not arguing for the scene necessarily, but kind of an overall discussion, which I think is interesting is I don't think we should always say, well, art shouldn't make me uncomfortable. I think there's a argument right. to be made that sometimes we need to see it. Now, I think what they thought as creators was this this choice that the king makes to choose one over the other, the brutality of that choice, the brutality yeah, of what he yeah. does, uh, this is this is a character moment. This is showing how important this heir is to him and really shows how fucked he was when it didn't go how he thought it was going to go. And we really want the audience to sit with that. Now, again, was that the right choice? Maybe, maybe not. But I do understand their 
given what Game of Thrones gives us and its gratuitousness in all ways, I understand how they felt like it fit within their world. Yeah, within the and I agree. I agree. To me, I didn't have an issue with the scene when I was watching it, but that doesn't mean I haven't understood and and felt yeah. people's points of views that didn't like it. Just like Michael, and we're all we're dudes, saying. so yeah, yeah like it's a whole dudes. different it's, thing for us to watch it. Well, and so are the makers here, right? Ryan J. Condell and Miguel Sapochnik are dudes, and so is George R. R. Martin. So you ha- you could argue that where's the women in this creative process yet again? Because it was Benioff and Weiss over on the on the original Game yeah. of Thrones series. So you have to ask yourself, why can't we get more women involved at the higher levels they might be in the writer's room but why aren't they at the higher levels in creating these game of thrones series i think there's a definite case to be made there and that's okay to yeah. make that case okay but the the birthing scene for me worked because first of all sean brooke acted the fuck out of that scene she was incredible in that scene her screams of terror and horror and pain when she realizes what's happening is oh it's uncomfortable when you talk about it yeah oh, it yeah so, yeah, yeah. It was ringing in my ears for two days afterwards. It was devastatingly so well acted by her so that you as the audience member, you if the if the scene doesn't bother you in terms of like it's necessary or unnecessary, if it works for you, that scene affects you and helps you to understand Rhaenyra even more if she starts to turn on her father because he was willing to sacrifice her mother to for some potential male heir that he wasn't even sure was going to be a boy, by the way. Just taking a chance here, that's how... Um, little he thought of his wife in that moment. And that may be just enough to motivate Rainier to go against Viserys down the road with Damon's pushing or Rhaenys's pushing down the road, maybe because yeah. she may want some power. So it was, but, it was a scene that was supposed to make you feel this way. Right. As you said, Michael. and I do think, and I think what the argument is and what the discussion yeah. is, because I, 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 I kind of agree with everything you said, except, and again, we are all three dudes. So I'm very curious, mm-hmm. particularly like at, I'm curious what everybody listening thinks sure. about this and definitely sure. let us know in the comments. But because I think it's an interesting conversation because I do think you're right that if there were more women creatively behind the scenes on this, would somebody have said, whoa, hey, everything that you just said, John, about this is how this is going to play into the rest of the season, you can do without yeah. this, this and this. Like, don't show that- this. Don't do this. Yeah. This is too much. You're not a woman. You don't understand. Right. And we would have all still felt those same things. And I do we think, saw it like, in, again, in Calliope, in the recent Sandman episode, we saw, if you guys have watched it, yeah. we didn't see the rape from the book. We just see the trickle of blood on Richard Maddox's face, and we get the point. Yeah. And, you know, and it's a great point because I, when we watched that Calliope, uh, or when I was watching it, I kind of was wondering, like, I knew where it was going because I've yeah. read the story, and I know what is going to happen. And I kind of appreciated the fact that they didn't. Yeah. So, you know, like I, I have two different opinions. I, I have, I think it's more, I don't have an opinion one way or the other on it. I, because I think that in this specific case, in the treatment of women in um, popular media, um, I don't, I, I would lean towards what other women felt about it than what oh, I sure. think about it. Sure. Um, but I do think it's an interesting conversation, broader than just how women are treated, but like when we do have these super violent, super graphic things, whether it be Game of Thrones, whether it be in other adaptations that we see, you know, do how much do we actually need to tell the story? And I think that's what Shannon's point is, which yeah. I think there's a valid point there too. Like, did we need this to get it? What did it, did it really serve us to go that far? Yeah, we've got a few more minutes left. Shannon, what's what are the highlights for you or what are the things that gave you pause besides the birthing scene? What else gave you pause or what are the highlights when you think about this first episode here? 
Well, I mean, it's visually stunning. Like, yeah. it, technically, you know, they're 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 knocking it out of the park. I mean, you know, we 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 hear these discussions all the time now about how the artists in the visual effects industry aren't always as valued that they're kind of up against uh, impossible deadlines. And we've not heard that thus far with this production or Game of Thrones, to my knowledge. And it's it, it, it was nice to see that you do have these incredible visuals with the dragons, with the, you know, the large, you know, s- sort of cityscape shots. It's great that you can get this incredible product. And at least publicly, we're not hearing that people's backs up are, are, are up against the wall, which is, which is nice to hear. Performances across the board. Everybody's yeah. great. I mean, having to catch up with the new houses yeah. that may have been mentioned in Game of Thrones. Like I was, I was looking for a very specific article. I'm like, who is mentioned in Game of Thrones? Like, I want to know, like, I, I know Damon Targaryen was mentioned in Game of Thrones. I know the High Towers were mentioned in Game of Thrones. Um, but the performances across the board, awesome. These are all characters that just at first glance, it, 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 it not, not the problem, but it definitely addressed my concern is, is the characters are what, are, are what is going to make this ship, you know, sink or swim. Right. And thus yeah. far, they seem they seem to be swimming. I thought the action of the tournament was great. Um, again, because I'm not a fan of gratuitous violence, I don't think we needed to see an axe go into a dude's face. I'm like, I think you're <laughs> getting the point that there is there is a line that is crossed between competition and battle, and ideally, it's a line that is inevitably crossed in every tournament. At least tournament, at least that's what it seems. Because uh, Rainus's character says that she's like, and this is when it, and this is when it gets nasty. The moment that Damon gets sort of knocked off his horse and he's there on the barrier, you know, you know, being dragged. I'm like, that is a, that is a great action shot. Like that's yeah. a great visually dynamic shot. Yeah. And the intercutting between that and the birth and scene, I thought was actually really good. I don't think we needed to go as graphic as I've said, but uh, across the board, I think everything was just really, really good. Now, knowing that they are going to have some sort of a time jump yeah. to where right. um, Allison yeah. and Rhaenyra are going to be uh, a little older, I see, I see the potential for it. I also am just like, man, I really like those two younger performers. Like, I hope we yeah. don't, I hope we don't lose them too fast because at this point, watching them grow, especially with Allison's, how. Yeah. She seems like this person's best friend, and now she's put into a position where it's like, okay, now I'm being used to sort of, uh, so, so my dad can maybe curry curry a little more power with the king. Um, Reese Ifans is is the oh standout for me. I mean, so <laughs> obviously Matt Smith is is, is incredible. Patty Considine, incredible. Um, but but Reese Ifans is the one. Uh, ever since we saw Reese Ifans at the Hall H panel for Amazing Spider Man, <laughs> where he was he was. <laughs> He was just a a hungover rock star. Whenever I see, <laughs> whenever I see him perform, I'm like, oh my god, you are an incredible performer. Because having seen a little bit of you, like yeah. this ain't you. Yeah. Um, but across the board, all the performances were great. Yeah, and I love that we've got a little bit of a buffoon on the council with Lionel Strong. I love Lord and Lionel. You need that one buffoon on the council, yep. don't you? You just need that one I, person to bounce everything out. Yeah. I also think there's something really wonderful, and you guys know this, um, yeah. you know, having been in theater school, but like there's 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 that acting for the rafters, and then there's really subtle acting, yeah. and like particularly in those council scenes where everyone is trying to hold their cards so close to their vest yeah. that 
there's a lot of real subtle things where you are like seeing react. You're seeing someone have a reaction, but then also instantly trying to mask their reaction. And there's like, so the, it really is. You're right. I mean, like they really did bring the heat with the visuals, the directing, the music, the performances, like, like they came to play. Like, and I do think a lot of this is, and you know, for the good is, Hey, we're not going to say this, but we know we know we fucked up at the end there. Right. Like we know, we know we've got to win you back and we're going to work extra hard to do it. So we are bringing our a game across the board and that's how it felt to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys. Like I, I, I put on my blonde uh, Targaryen wig and, uh, and, 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 uh, hopped on my dog and pretended he was a dragon and said, let's do this thing. <laughs> yeah. And shout out to the two young actresses that Shannon mentioned, Millie Alcock playing uh, uh, Rhaenyra Targaryen and uh, Emily Carey playing Alison Hightower. And like you said, we're going to make this time jump and it looks sure looks like Alison becomes the next queen. So how is that going to affect their relationship? Certainly we've seen stories about dudes who marry their daughter's best friends and how, how that kind of plays out. You know, there's a great SNL skit where Tina Fey's like, oh yeah, your daughter's going to love that. So, I mean, there's there's so <laughs> much intrigue and drama to explore. And uh, Ramin Jawadi's music is fantastic throughout the Always whole. Always great. Mean, Always so great. essential to what we're watching. Uh, certainly another character in the story to give you. Yeah. And of course, as you mentioned, Mike, the brutality, yeah. You know, as much as we may be on Damon's side, I mean, Damon castrating people, cutting heads off people, doing the horrible things. I mean, there's allusions to where you're seeing someone in charge of a police force administering their own brand of justice with no kind of limit or restriction. And we're being told by them that they are these things. We don't know. We haven't seen these people hurt people, rape people, steal, whatever. We we're just hearing from a corrupt police force that Otto said it too. No, no, it is is pretty clear. Otto it, says it, it. Otto, the clear. one who was serving up his daughter to be the king's. I, mean, I don't believe anybody on this fucking council. It, no, no, <laughs> it is. It is pretty clear that King's Landing is pretty much a slum at this point. I mean, King's yeah. Landing is not a good place. So again, I'm not. I'm not arguing that that Damon is, is systemic. Michael, let's approach. go for an hour about whether it's systemic. Let's, let's do that. Let's talk about it. But I know. <laughs> I think like Damon. Listen, they uh, they opened Game of Thrones with Jamie Lannister throwing a kid out of a window. Yes. Right. And there's no coming back from that. You're a horrible human being. You threw a kid out of the window. And you're sleeping with your sister. And yeah. Jamie Lannister, and while well, you're sleeping with your sister, and Jamie Lannister came back from that. Yeah. Like there, like Game of Thrones does a really wonderful job of living in that gray. Let me give you a character, and I'm going to make, I'm going to put that character in a role and give that character a personality that makes you hate him beyond anyone else. And then I'm going to chip away at that and I'm going to reveal things and I'm going to have them grow and change and do things to the point where you're like, oh, I never thought I would be here. And yet here we are. Right. Uh, and if they can go do that with if they can do that again after what they did with Jamie Lannister before they completely fucked it up in the last two episodes, uh, that'll be great. Like that's a that's a great journey. Absolutely. Well, we got to wrap up here as we're out of time here. So, uh, uh, Michael, do you got to go? Do you got to jump? No, off? I'm good. Yeah. I want to wrap things up. All right, Shannon, one last, uh, what's your final thoughts on this? Yeah, oh, final thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm in for the season. Okay, all right. So all of us have our uh, Targaryen wigs on. We're ready to go uh, to see what happens here over the next 
nine episodes and we will be reviewing the episodes in some form we're still working that out going down the road so just we'll, we'll update you as we figure that out for ourselves in our very busy schedule so thank you all so much for watching this episode of the geek buddies we hope you enjoyed every topic we talked about shannon what do we have to tell yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. I actually guessed it on a Star Wars podcast last, last week called Father, Son, Galaxy. You can find it on YouTube. Oh, yeah. You can find it on um, um, all the streaming platforms. Delightful uh, uh, father and son from Philadelphia, Kerwin and Keith. Uh, if you have a second, go check it out. Nice. Uh, Michael? Uh, look, we love talking about geek stuff on the Geek Buddies, and we like talking about the the harder topics, too. We love getting into the weird debates. We love getting into the interesting discussions, and we hope that you guys enjoy it. Um, so along those lines, uh, we definitely want to know what you thought about everything today. Uh, you know, we want to know what you thought about John Boyega and Star Wars. What do you think of the HBO Max dumpster fire? Lord of the Rings, yay or nay? House of the Dragon, what do you think about the gratuitousness of Game of Thrones? Like, do you think it's too much? Do you think it's appropriate? Like, where do you think that line is? Like, let us know all of that in the comments below we actually love to know what you guys think about this we love to have some good conversations with you guys as well uh definitely hit the like button on this uh video so that everybody knows that you liked it uh subscribe to johnny's outlaw nation page check out all the amazing content that he has got there if you are listening to us uh anywhere that you are listening to us go ahead and leave us some stars and leave us some comments uh it helps us go up in the rankings so that more people can find us and join in in all the fun and as always the best thing that you guys can do retweet this video post it on your socials and tell everybody how much you like hanging out with your buddies the geek buddies yeah and big shout out to carbon health who powers and sponsors us here on the geek buddies carbonhealth.com you got any questions concerns or needs about your health care go and check them out they've got 80 plus locations in california 200 plus locations i believe all over the country so you can go there and get checked out in in the clinic or get checked out virtually they offer that as well they've also got an app you can download you've got you've got any questions on the go that you need answered for your health care they've got that set up for you as well they want to work with communities like ours that are uplifting and supportive of people so that's why they're a sponsor here on the geek buddies and we appreciate them every week so go check them out at carbonhealth.com or download that app to have a doc in your pocket all right thank you all so much for joining us here on this episode of the geek buddies look for our she hulk spoiler review coming out in the next couple of days from us and we'll let you know about it as well and y'all take care of yourselves be well and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of an episode here of the geek buddies Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.